And they kind of looked at me and they said the answer was, was alcohol. Tom Caulfield, James Whistle. This is the story of The Tempest 2. So ladies and gentlemen, The Tempest 2. Welcome back to The Tempest 2 podcast. Hola, obrigado. <laughs> Bon dia. Bon dia, bon dia. Back from Lisbon. Back in the UK. We've come from stunning 32 degrees, nice coastal breeze, beautiful Lisbon, landing into Heathrow in shit grey, sleety rain. Yeah, I've just looked at the forecast and it's, it's rain as far as the eye can see. My mental health is taking a battering. <laughs> it's falling, it's falling, isn't it? It's Summer's gone. It's it's done. Two weeks in, out, straight into autumn for six months. Yeah, it's uh, it's crazy. It's not ideal. Lisbon's lovely though, isn't it? Really nice. First time we've been. Uh, very impressed with it. Great food. We had some lovely meals. Yeah. Uh, and a very successful work trip. We're back out there again very soon. We're also back in New York very soon. So. Uh, you know, a successful few weeks and a few weeks ahead. But we had a bit of a palaver with the flight, didn't we? Yeah, we did. We got on uh, Monday morning and took the bags down to check in. And they basically, the long story short, the whatever you call them, check-in woman. <laughs> happened to be a woman. Could have check-in been a man. assistant. The check-in assistant um, decided to check my bag in under your name naturally uh, so one of my bags was under my name second bag under your name you then i then went through security you checked in after me uh, at which point they said you've already checked a bag yeah and then they decided to delete that bag that you checked in from the system therefore we had a rogue bag which was full of a load of stuff that we needed for the workshops uh in lisbon absolute shambles but we persevered yeah we came up with a solution yeah, it was and, just uh, it was just quite impressive to take my bag down to Heathrow, leave it there for three days, and collect it on the way home. <laughs> Vintage British Airways, and this is a, a shout out to BA for being shite. <laughs> <laughs> they there's just zero customer services. I spoke to a lady called Vivina. <laughs> oh, call oh, her out. You, you and Vivina had a bit of a ding dong. Um, Not she, in that way, but you know, <laughs> she couldn't have been more useless. Um, if she tried, and just just flat out rude. She I've not had that bad customer service in a long time. Well, if you're listening to this, Vivina, you won't be, but you should be. You should know that you're shite. Yeah, there you go. I, uh, One star rating. I will send. I will be sending a wordy email in the hope of fishing for some Avios points. Yeah, smart. See if I can get. I don't know a Hoover or something out of it. But there was there was two people who had a worse flight than us. Yeah, our, uh, our best friends are you talking yeah, about? Good friends of ours now. Yeah. Uh, sat in the row in front uh, was Spider-Man himself, Tom Holland and Zendaya. Yeah. Who, <laughs> why they were flying on our flight is still a mystery. But it seemed very much like, because we had to get a bus to our plane and they were sat next to us on the bus. And we could hear them speaking, as you do when you're sat next to a celebrity, you, you barely breathe because you're trying to listen to their, <laughs> their conversation. <laughs> Um, and it seems like, obviously, in the past few months, he's been on quite a few podcasts because he's kind of taken a bit of a step away from Hollywood. 
said it's really toxic, he doesn't like it, and trying to live a more, I guess, normal life. And you could kind of tell he was trying to bring her on this journey of normality. Mm. And when you've got over 200 million Instagram followers combined, I just don't think that's possible. No, and it was it wasn't the easiest, was it? It was like it, the bus gate, so we had to go to the gate and then get, get a bus to the to the flight to the plane with everyone else. Same on the other end, delays in the middle of the flight. A um, couple of girls, fans, obviously, had like came through and tapped uh, tapped him on the shoulder. I think they have a strategy to sleep most of the flight when they're on public flights, and I don't blame them, but they. Uh, tapped him on the shoulder and I think he very politely told them to leave them alone. Yeah. They're just on holiday. Um, but that must be non-stop. Must be awful. They had the COVID mask going on, didn't they? You, you could tell she was not enjoying it. She basically put like a pashmina over her head for the whole flight. <laughs> pashmina. Yeah, delightful pashmina. Kashmiri, yeah. actually. <laughs> I, um, as I was waiting for my bag like a Muppet in Lisbon, <laughs> watching the empty carousel turn around, they were actually the second to last people yes. to get their bags. And then two uh, fresh Louis V bags rolled off, dumped onto Mate, the... I saw uh, them roll off the carousel. I was like, oh my God, I can't believe they've made them check those in. They're about two grand each, those I bags. Know. Dumped onto the carousel. They picked them up. <laughs> At least their bags arrived. But yeah, I know. Just take it with you. Didn't want to carry anything, did they? Then they got, they did get through, and luckily the passport control was mental. They got whisked through that, didn't they? Then, then they were back into their celebrity life. It's no, uh, I don't, I don't envy it at all. No, that that way of living, it must be just savage the whole time leaving the house. But it must be nice to have tens of millions of pounds as well. So. Just, just, I wonder if being Spider Man, like he's Spider Man now for a whole generation of kids. Are we talking about what it's like to be actually Spider Man? <laughs> no, no, no. Okay. Just be like, you know, he'll walk somewhere and a kid will just shout, Spider Man. Spider Man. <laughs> I imagine. That's what I did to Tobey Maguire when I saw him once. <laughs> hey, uh, Spider Man. Hey, <laughs> you. Uh, get down from there. <laughs> but that, I don't know, that's got, I think that's cool. It's better than being Harry Potter, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Harry is it's too yeah. close to like at least Spider-Man's not realistic not that Harry Potter is <laughs> yeah hang on a minute but <laughs> it's like wait Hogwarts isn't real but like I don't know Daniel Radcliffe is Harry Potter and yeah. vice versa he grew up he only knows he is Harry now yeah and th- and there is no getting away from that <laughs> no there's no sequel um, but anyway yeah it would be challenging just fly private yeah Surely. You've got the money. Yeah. Go on, have a sip of your coffee. I can see you're begging for it. <laughs> it's just hovering Go right on. here. Let's get have a bit of that, what's it called? CDPR? Oh my God, you goblin. <laughs> <laughs> no, what's it, what's it called? GDPR. G- no. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? I don't know. ALSR? ASMR. ATM. Mercedes GLA. ATM. Yeah, that shit makes my fucking... Spine come out of my ass. I hate that stuff. <laughs> there was a bloke in one of these workshops in Lisbon. <laughs> I was gonna say, oh my god, a bit of context. Yeah, like, <laughs> and uh, he put a mint in his mouth. We were on stage. Fuck me. So, you know, eating a mint like a normal human, you just you don't need to make any noise. <laughs> and he would open his mouth and be like, <laughs> but he was doing it for I reckon twenty five minutes. I honestly chucked the mic at him. It's, it's, it's just definitely. What are you doing? If I can hear you up here, 
I would say it's it's your like pet peeve. It is, yeah. yeah. That's your Massive. you have like a radar for it. When you came up to me and you were like raging, you're like, How about that guy in the mid? <laughs> I was just like, like I had no idea what you're talking about. It is. Is then it? you pointed it out, I was like, Oh right, yeah, now I see it. I can't remember what it's called, but it is like a it is like a built in thing. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. Some people have it, some don't, that it's just like <laughs> like fingers on a chalkboard. <laughs> it drives me insane that's amazing insane <laughs> um so yeah to that bloke fucking shut your mouth <laughs> <laughs> but yeah other than that good good trip lisbon's great isn't it food is amazing yeah it's really good weather's though. consistent very impressed with it to be honest very hilly yeah i'm gonna try and figure out a segue into the next bullet point i'm struggling with it um <laughs> but ufos <laughs> I guess we were illegal aliens in New York. Illegal? Oh, I'm an alien. I'm, I'm an illegal, illegal alien. Yeah. I'm an English man that? in New York. The police. Well done. Thank you. Sting. Sting. Um, so that's the segue. Uh, so it's been all over... <laughs> I don't know where this has come <laughs> from, been, but I'm all in on to hear this. It's been all over Twitter, or shall I say, Irx. Let's not get into that. Don't do it. We haven't got time for that, guys. Um, that... A member of U.S. Congress has uh, said that they have, um, you know, not only collected UFOs as in alien aircraft, but there's been, uh, what do they call it? Um, it was off-planet biology, Hip. a.k.a. a pilot. Now, it's a load of shit, isn't it? Yeah. But I think the one way to really, really concrete down on the fact that it's shit is if you look at the map, of the world and the UFO sightings, it is all the USA. Yeah, exactly. Nowhere else. Exactly. Nowhere else is bothering with it. Exactly. Um, and that says it all, I think. Is it? I think is it boredom? Do you think? Or I think it's this um, easily mean, manipulated by film and media. Yeah, you probably it's very Hollywood, the Hollywood yeah, nation. Exactly. It's like, you know, these certain films come out, and now it's like, wow, okay, they're real. Much like Harry Potter with you. <laughs> that's real yeah exactly they have the same with aliens um, maybe they are real I'm pretty sure they're not I'm sure there is for something out there but they're not here there's no way <laughs> they're here especially in those little disky uh, yeah. disky aircraft that they have it's the Chinese guys we all know it it's China it's just weather balloons probably <laughs> it's just your own local little enthusiasts People are taking photos. Yes, yeah, it's, it's so busy, isn't it? Yeah. Just the need to think about something greater than anyway. Let's not. Uh, if not um, get into it. if it, if we turn out to be wrong, fair play. I'll eat this hat I'm wearing. Yeah. Maybe. But yeah, I mean, we've got bigger issues if they are real than this, maybe they than me digesting this hat. Maybe they can solve our issues. Do you reckon? No. Maybe. Maybe we should segue to the next segment. Okay, go. Only because I've got nothing when it comes to UFOs. I don't. I can't remember what it stands for. Unidentified flying object, flying or foreign. Fl I think it might be flying. Yeah, one of them. Either way. Either way. Right, adventure mindset segment. Let's get on to what this is actually about. Um, we've we've got to mention him because he's been. Uh, he's been a topic of this podcast for the last, well, on and off, I suppose, for a hundred odd days. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the, that's the big lad, Sean Conway, who I think we first mentioned him and he'd done about 10. 
Um, and he was going for the world record of 102 full distance triathlons, Ironman distance. And he's only gone and bloody done it, hasn't he? Yeah. I mean, fair play. And yeah. Hats off. Unbelievable effort. 102 days on the bounce, doing a marathon a day. I don't know the other distances. <laughs> Two mile swim and a 112 mile bike ride. Every day for a third of a year. In a le- shithole leisure centre. <laughs> he should have shares in that leisure centre by now. Fucking hell, he's got enough hair in there. Yeah, genuinely, half his, half his beard's in there. They're going to have to repanel that pool. That's oh my God, madness. I mean, I don't know where to start with it. The most impressive thing is the ability to not get injured. Yeah, definitely. Like obviously, the resilience and the getting up and doing it you know, is, is one thing, but I reckon once you hit 20, 30, that you kind of get into this this rhythm. Yeah. But the the fact that you can just keep going and not get injured and have like a an injury that just stops you in your tracks yeah. is, is pretty impressive. Because he had like niggles here and there, didn't he? He would say something about his knee and then his shoulder and stuff. And you'd think that just doing it again the next day would be enough to just write you off. But he's a, uh, yeah, he's abs- he's crushed it, to be fair to him. And then he didn't stop at 102, did he? No, he carried on. Why is that? I don't know. No, me neither. <laughs> me neither. You said he was uh, fl- flipped a coin or something, didn't he? So he did, I think he did like 102. Then he was like, I actually feel all right. I'm going to do it again. And I think after that, he was like, right, I'm going to flip a coin every morning. Right. And he got to 105, I think it was. And you could see he wanted to carry on. Uh, and he flipped the coin and it was, it was heads and that meant he stopped and he just burst into tears. But I think he got into such a... Bloody hell. The rhythm, he was almost scared to stop. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a good point, because what do they say? It's a habit. It's like 30 days to finish. Yeah. He's gone way beyond that. He must now be not twiddling his thumbs, but he's been doing so much in a, in a day. And uh, But also, I think the thing to consider is, and we've never really had this, but you know, it, it's become his entire identity, and you know, he's getting lots of messages of support. There's people out there doing it with him. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of attention on him, which must be like a nice feeling to have. Definitely. And there almost must be this like anxiety of that stopping. Yeah. And being like, well, what, the f- what the fuck am I going to do then? Like what yeah. happens when it finishes? Yeah. Uh, so we did 105. But what's bizarre is, you know, the, um, the Iron Cowboy, James Lawrence in the US, who was the guy that did the 50 and 50 states, then the 100, said it was unbreakable, it will never be broken. You know, he has built a thriving career. <laughs> Book sales, keynotes, workshops, uh, like workout plans. You know, he, he's he's loaded off the back of it, really. Yeah, he's as covered, he should be. Yeah, covered by every show in the US, late night shows, CBN, everything. Yeah, all the big pods, yeah. And Sean Conway, you know, is I, I haven't seen anything. I think he was on TalkSport yesterday. Yeah, yeah. But it will just, it will just go. Yeah, it's... Uh, which is crazy, which shows that once you've done it, once someone has climbed the mountain, even if you go a little bit higher. It, yeah, first is, is pretty key, isn't it? Yeah. In, in, when you're in that world of first or, or further, which is what Sean Conway says he always tries to do, is either go faster or further. Mm. It's um, it's just that game, isn't it, of one-upmanship. So first is then pretty, you know, pretty insane. Not that anyone's going to repeat the free solo. Yeah. 
But do, I, you reckon, I, do you reckon they will? At some point. Yeah, at some point, probably. Someone will. Probably. But it won't get as much. Yeah, I wouldn't have thought. Yeah, no way. There won't be another yeah. film about it. No. Not a Jimmy Chin. Uh, Jimmy Chin special. Oscar winner. I've got a theory about Sean Conway. I think, as a... Uh, as a new parent, I think it's an extremely elaborate way to avoid parenting two young children. <laughs> he's got two young lads, and he's just had 105 days off. Yeah. And I think... 105 <laughs> days off. I think he's looked at it, and he's gone, I think I'd rather do an Iron Man than childcare. The most painful paternity leave <laughs> in history. Yeah. But that was some of the comments you were saying that yeah. um, when he was carrying on, people were like, mate, fucking go and maybe see your family. Yeah, that was. I, I was really selfish. surprised. You, you know, you look at the comments, that obviously half of them are like, well done. The other half are like, like, maybe you should give like the crew, your wife and that a bit of time off now. And like you, you've set out what you're meant to achieve, like amazing achievement. Now go back to like the people who <laughs> like give them some time off. And I think he's that was part of the relief. Is I find it really interesting that, like as you said, like he took the decision out of his own hands. So with the coin, obviously didn't want, yeah, obviously didn't want to stop on his own, or wanted it to not be his decision. So that's a interesting one. It's like the fucking Joker in Batman. How many followers has he gained? Do you know? Uh, about thirty-three, I think. Thirty-three thousand. No, thirty-three humans. Oh. No, I've made that. Up. <laughs> I'm being being harsh. Uh, <laughs> I imagine some. He, I mean, <laughs> I. He should have gained loads because it's... It's so impressive. I wonder what the hours he spent... Well, it's about 14 hours a day, wasn't it? So what, 14 hours for 105 days is... Oh, goodness me. I mean... And he lost about three kilos or something, didn't yeah, he? Not, Which is pretty good. Not that much. I saw he was eating 8,000 calories a day. Was he? That was his target. I think... That's, um, a, lot, that's a lot of calories, lads. Just go to America. The one, <laughs> the one thing I would say that may have helped him, as in if I were to do it, is, uh, and it sounds superficial, sure, but his his clothing was terrible. No, no. He looked shit. <laughs> oh, that, give him a that, break. That triathlon outfit he had on. They sponsored, guys. By who? The circus. <laughs> The one thing Fuck's that sake. at least doing triathlons gives you the option to do is to get some mustard Premium gear. clothing. You've got to look epic when yeah. you do it. That's half the reason people do triathlons is to buy expensive kit and look awesome. <laughs> and he's got this baggy Welsh flag. Is he even Welsh? He's he, not Welsh. He's I, South he African. He must be Welsh. He's South African. Must be half Welsh because, yeah, he was, he, he was a Welsh flag for 105 yeah, days. He wore a Welsh flag. Uh, and it's just like, oh my god! Like, if you're gonna do it, look awesome. <laughs> but I think that's kind of his thing, and I'm just an egotistical wanker. But <laughs> he's he's from Zimbabwe. How is he? But he's British as well, so maybe oh, he must have some Welsh. He definitely name. Conway's got a Welsh name, isn't it? Harry Conway and death. But fair play. Congratulations. Yeah, is, massive. Is, is the sentiment coming from this pod? Massive congratulations. That is. A superhuman effort. Definitely. Top, uh, of the, top of the pyramid. And I hope he um, reaps the rewards. Because he definitely. definitely deserves it. Smashed it. Um, moving into another portion of the adventure mindset and talking about free solo and like impactful films on sports. 
I'm going to be a bit delicate around this one because I don't want to ruin it for people who haven't seen it. Mm. Oh, yeah, good point. But there's a documentary on Netflix uh, called The Deepest Breath, which is around an amazing story in the world of freediving. And it kind of follows these two main characters, one being Alessia Zacchini, an Italian freediver, world champion, and a safety instructor called Stephen Keenan. And uh, without giving anything away, more than anything, it just shows an insight into the sport that 90% of people won't have had. And it is an absolutely insane world. Insane. Yeah. The risks, the process, the mindset, the physiological like capabilities that these people have is, is pretty astonishing. Because you, um, you've been uh, interested in that sort of thing for a while, haven't you, with that book yeah. called Deep? Yeah, Deep by James Nestor. But it's like, it's almost like a visual version of that book. Mm. It, it does it. It's a. It's very well done. It's a. It's not just some old documentary that Netflix like has the license for. They've kind of built it, created it. It's and it's pretty. It's pretty epic. Storytelling's amazing. Yeah, you don't know what's happening until the very end. Um, but it puts it into perspective. It's still a very budget sport. Massively, like, yeah. There's no money in it at all. It's so basic, isn't it? And on the surface, literally, right, hold your breath, go as deep as you can, <laughs> and come up. It's, I mean, it, it scares me. It's mental. It's like the, what fascinates me about freediving in a positive way is I think the people that are able to hold their breath for minutes at a time and, you know, and just be in the ocean, whether it's swimming with whales or spearfishing or whatever, I think is fucking awesome. Must be an incredible feeling. But what these guys are doing doesn't appeal to me in the slightest. You know, yeah. Going as deep as possible. Yeah. You know, these women are going down 104 meters straight down. And they are on their own. Yeah. And it is pitch black. Uh, like, it is, must be terrifying. What, and, what, yeah. I mean, they go deeper than the safety divers by like 50 meters oh yeah well, the safety divers i think meet them so they figure out roughly how long it will take them to come back up it's all very budget like mm. they have like a sonar to see you know how deep they are if they're coming back up that breaks regularly yeah. by the looks of it and then you know free diver that one of the safety guards will be like right they should be on the way up i'll go meet them 40 meters down and then they kind of swim up with them waiting for them for the high probability that they'll pass out underwater and then it's like a rush to get them to the surface because it didn't say it in that film actually but one of the things in that book which was fascinating is that when someone drowns the human body will shut down and then for the same for every human I can't remember what seconds it is it might be like 40 seconds or 42 seconds it will have one final breath and if you're underwater for that breath you're dead yeah. if you're above it you'll probably survive yeah exactly um so they race them to the top and wait for that breath yeah no they were saying it, it's like a, a minute or something and they have to be on their back yeah. and in a certain position but i was yeah blown away cause it, by how often that happens yeah <laughs> it's just like maybe and it always happens in like the last 10 meters like before surface because it's not just like they're hot they have to hold their breath and swim for four minutes but the pressure like on their lungs on their body at 100 meters down is insane i think their lungs go to the size of a tennis ball that's like the pressure being kind of put on them 
just ridiculous. <clears throat> and I think it's called when they pass out, they call it like the pink mist. Because <laughs> apparently you're like completely euphoric. Right. And like you're almost just like, oh, you almost accept it. Well, that's why they keep doing it. Yeah. It's <laughs> that was awesome. Stop doing that. Just, um, just, yeah. It's a amazing documentary. The storytelling it is, is fantastic. It could, it's one of those things that could have just been like, oh, that was all right. But the way they, I don't, again, don't want to give it away, but the kind of the ending and the arc of it all is, is pretty phenomenal. Yeah. Um, and For a good sure. stat to show how dangerous, it's the most dangerous sport in the world. So one in 500 dives at competition. So this is professionals, elite level. One in 500 die. Base jumping on the kind of uh, spectrum is one in 2,317. So it's exponentially more dangerous than jumping off a fucking cliff. Yeah. I guess that's a much, it's a quite a small amount of people do Probably. Free diving. Is it called free diving? Yeah. It's just a very strange little bunch of people. Uh, and in the film, they mentioned that they go to this place in Egypt. I can't remember what it was called. Al Dahab or something? Yeah, that was it. But I was wondering if they go there because the laws are a bit more relaxed or something and they welcome that. Maybe. Because I was thinking, if it's that dangerous, and I was, you know, countries would like outlaw it, wouldn't they? They don't want these deaths happening in... On their on their land, but Egypt love a bit of tourism, don't they? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so <laughs> maybe they've just opened it wide up for them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, on, on the other side of the spectrum with the breath hold stuff is like the big wave surfers and those just more general kind of watermen who are still holding their breath for four minutes or so at a time. Maybe they're spear fishing, checking out the land underneath the sea. Is that what they do? <laughs> You know, they just look around at the Check coral and stuff, don't they? <laughs> <laughs> they do the old floor runs. But yeah, it's it's trainable, isn't it? It's yeah, um, it be, you, yeah. you can go from holding your breath for 25 seconds. If you actually practice it and focus on it for a month, you can increase that like massively to a couple of minutes. Yeah. Which is pretty interesting. I think a lot of it is... Um, oh, we're going to have to pause there, are we? No, I think he's uh, he's putting it by the door. So if you listened a couple of uh, weeks ago, you'll know we got a strawberry delivery from our landlord, and uh, he's doing it again. Where's he going? Uh, not sure, but he, he picks the time, and he comes whenever we're recording <laughs> to deliver strawberries. Good stuff. They are nice, though. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, watch that documentary if you haven't. Um, very, very good. And uh, was that your knee? That was my oh, knee, God. yeah. That's that was a crack of a knee there. If you heard that. <laughs> so final segment, we actually wanted to touch on um, one of the workshops that we ran in, in New York and Lisbon, which we've actually changed in the last kind of year, which we used to run a goal setting workshop, which I think we've discussed on the podcast before about you know setting goals and writing them down and figuring out the excuses why it won't happen and all of that process. And we've actually developed that into something a bit new because... To be honest, we don't think it actually works that well if something else isn't done before that. And that something is around vision. And vision is one of the four pillars of adventure mindset, this big vision thinking. And what we mean by vision, what we're explaining to this team uh, we are working with is, yeah, every major company will have a vision statement. And what that statement basically alludes to is where that company wants to be in five or 10 years, what they want to be doing, what they want to be kind of doing it for, who they want to be serving, you know, where it will be. And we as people don't really do that. 
instead we say on the 1st of January, I want to lose weight or I want to run a marathon. And because a lot of those kind of goals are set are basically goals we think we should be doing and they aren't linked to this vision or actually what we care about, most of them fail. So it was actually a really interesting exercise. Some people loved it. Some people were just like, ah, nah, this isn't, fuck this, this isn't for me. <laughs> Which is quite interesting in itself that some people just don't care about that kind of thing. They just, you know, day to day, I turn up to work, I leave work, fuck it. Like, I, I don't care. Yep. And that's, you know, a big set of people. But there are a lot of people that actually, you know, when you ask them these questions, some of the feedback was, you know, I've actually never thought about what is most important to me where I want to be in the next five years, yeah. what I want to be doing, am I on the right track? And then once they figure that out, setting goals that align to it. Yeah, that's exactly it. It's amazing. We've probably done uh, done this session to about 500 people now in total. Um, and like the, a massive challenge people with goals have is they don't know what they want to achieve. And it's because they don't think about it. So we did like a you raise your hand if you've set goals or you've done a new year's resolution and the number is is so low uh, a good stat for everyone listening to this is nine percent uh, sorry 91 percent of new year's resolutions have failed in the first two weeks in january um and it's basically it goes back to what tom's just saying there is that um people just select new year's resolutions which are basically goals that really doesn't they don't identify with at all. It might be running X distance, you know, joining a gym for no other reason other than you've seen adverts for it. You think it's the right thing to do. Um, so yeah, we, we basically tee people up to go and with this workshop, tee people up and then off the back of it, they can go and set goals because they have much more clarity in uh, maybe what they actually want to do and, and who they are. And it's just interesting that nobody... If you're listening to this and you do this, then fair play. But nobody spends the time. The workshop's about half an hour. Nobody gives themselves half an hour ever to actually think about what motivates them, what drives them, why they do what they do, like who they like spending time with, what they actually love. They just get stuck on the treadmill of uh, of life, which is pretty pretty mental so although it's quite challenging it sounds overly simplistic but very challenging for people to actually think about so the people that did really had uh, really found some value in it uh, but it's basically the the crux of it is writing a very short statement that is completely specific to you and what drives you that you could look at every day that will uh, steer the next sort of five ten years of your life and it's kind of based on that longer term who you want to be, what you want to identify with, rather than what am I going to achieve now, or you know what what's my next goal. So it's it was a very it's a very interesting session um, that I think is worth doing. Yeah, and if you want to do it, we'll tell you how. So the first thing we, we do, and we'll keep this like one minute, but we would challenge people to write down all the things that are really important to them. You know, we, we made the assumption that if you had your perfect day and money wasn't an option, what would you spend that day doing? Would it be playing with your kids? Would it be traveling? Would it be cooking, gardening, being active, being outdoors, whatever it is? You write a long list. Then you identify the three most important points from that that stand out, and then you expand on them, make them tangible. So if it's being active, is it being in the mountains? Is it being on a hike with my friends, whatever it may be? And then after figuring out those top three, 
you then combine them into one statement that starts with, in five years, I will be, and it could be, in five years, I will be traveling the world more regularly. I'll be the fittest and mentally strong I've ever been. I'll spend more time with friends, whatever it may be. Um, and then that statement really is almost your guiding star. So every decision you make, whether that's career or personal, whether you're setting goals, they should all align to getting to that point. And if they don't, then it's probably not the right decision. Uh, and it's a really interesting way of kind of working backwards uh, to set goals rather than just pulling them out of thin air, which we've definitely done in the past. Oh, 100%. I think most people do that. Yeah. They just pull goals out of nowhere. They, they Like this workshop kind of takes you past the top level of motivation which usually for most people is ego or finances um which is great in the short term at like maybe getting you going you know maybe i want to look great in the gym then you get to that point and it's like you know what now the point of this workshop and this vision statement this vision session is about like basically going beyond that so as you said if you've got all the money in the world what are you spending your time doing you know who are you with it basically drives that little bit deeper um, and takes that next kind of level of reflection. But off the back of it, people find it so much easier to then come up with goals because you've got this clear vision of actually where you are in five years or 10 years. And then goals start to make sense of why you would do what you do rather than just, as you said, picking them out of thin air. Yeah. But so, it's, it's oh, sorry, go on. I was just going to say, it's been interesting. Like us doing the same thing when we're thinking about our next adventure rather than just being like, yeah, I want to do this, I want to do this. It's like starting with the vision and then working backwards actually has made it easier. Yeah, yeah. So if we end on that note, I guess we challenge you if you're listening to this in the car or on the train or on a walk, once you switch it off, start to think about that, you know, what your vision statement would be. Start to think about actually what, what do you actually like doing? What, what are you passionate about? And are you giving yourself the opportunity to make that a key part of your life? Because if you're not, what's the... What's the point in life if you can't enjoy yourself and do things you want to do? Fuck. <laughs> oh, 800 number. Ooh, don't pick that <laughs> up. Never. <laughs> Never. But right. no, yeah, yeah, you're bang on. It's, um, I mean, yeah, it's, it's a pretty hard question because you spend a lot of time, a lot of people spend a lot of time doing things they really don't want to do. Mm. Um, so yeah, g give it a go. Drop us a message. And, um, and see how you get on. But hey, what do we know? We did have one line of feedback from someone that said we were uninspiring. So Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there you go. Everything's subjective, <laughs> baby. There's always going to be a hater, so fuck you, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> Bob from Illinois. Yeah, fuck you. Top man. Um, right, guys. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week um, before we're off again to uh, to the US. But we're, we'll, keep, we'll keep them churning out. 27 now. 27 we're deep in into Here the middle go. of the shit summer right thanks for listening guys see you next week All right.